Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, well, happy Christmas, man. This is, uh, this is just so, so cool. Um, in the middle of all the busyness, honestly, we can't say thank you enough for being a community that is always, and not just at Christmas time, but all the time, is, uh, is looking at ways that we can put our faith in Jesus into action. I think one of the greatest ways we can show our faith in Jesus is by loving our neighbor, and you guys just do it so, so well. And we just think it's a cool time at Christmas to leverage our, kind of everyone's talking about the birth of this little baby Jesus. We love just unapologetically shouting from the rooftop what it means and who he is. So if you're new here tonight, if you're new to church, maybe it's your first time just checking it out, and uh, you're not even sure about the whole God thing, you're not even sure where you stand in belief in it, we're just so grateful you're here with us and that you're part of the conversation tonight. We have we're week number three in a series. We always talk on series, so we kind of have a chance to delve a little bit into certain topics. And this series is called, as you would have heard tonight, Peace on Earth. And we get this idea, this, and you know, you've heard the Christmas carols before, you probably heard this, 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 this wording used around Christmas time. But it comes from one of the Gospels. It's Luke's account of the life of Jesus. You find it in our New Testaments. And, um, and on the night Jesus was born in a manger in the town of Bethlehem, there were shepherds just outside of town. And the, the way Luke recounts the story is there's this huge group of angels and they appeared to the shepherds. And here's kind of the song they sung when they visited the shepherds. You see it in the second chapter of Luke. It says, suddenly there was a great company of heavenly hosts. They appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, and he, this was like the first Christmas carol, right? Said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Where was the peace? <laughs> on earth and goodwill towards men. And so we're often, we have this idea that peace might come with the absence of conflict or peace might happen when we get rescued from all the problems of life and all the problems from the world. God's idea of peace was radically different. God's idea of peace wasn't to take us away from the planet. God's idea of peace was to come to the planet. And so essentially what we get from this promise through the coming of Jesus is that the peace that you and I receive from God, this is so important to understand, is for the conflict that we face on earth. The peace that God talks about isn't the peace that we're used to thinking, that if I could just have quiet, if I could just have the absence of conflict, then I want no peace. The peace that God promises all of us is for the conflict that we face on earth. Now, every now and again... <laughs> Uh, when we do a series, every now and again, I have to kind of teach on something. I find myself teaching on something and I feel like I should be the person in the crowd listening to it because I'm walking through this exact thing in my life. And as you can probably tell, I'm not 100% right now. I have some crutches behind me and um, I've done my ankle and here's the incredible story how it happened. I've walked I am a mountain runner, and I run. That's all. That's what I do. I find my I find my hideout and my safe place and my happy place in mountains, running up and down hills all day long. And I took a step the other day, upstairs in my house, and my ankle went. Can't explain it. Here's the thing: two weeks tomorrow, I arrive at the snow to snowboard. I've been looking forward to this trip for a long time. And every now and again, events happen that we don't plan for and we don't expect and certainly don't want to happen. And when they do happen, sometimes the first thing um, that we can lose is our peace. 
And so when this happened, and Chloe obviously alluded to it, to it tonight earlier, that you stop and go, hang on, hang on, where is our peace? Could we talk about this? Is, that, is our peace in all of our plans coming together as we want? Or surely, surely the peace that Christ came to bring the planet is bigger than that and works deeper than that. And so I find myself in a place tonight where I am trying to live out the very thing that we are now trying to teach. And it's amazing that we teach on this even at Christmas time because Christmas time, <laughs> this is, and don't you find this to be the, the truth? Christmas time has an amazing way of bringing to the surface in our life maybe conflicts that have sat underneath the surface all year round. And you manage to ignore them and you manage to live without them and you manage to kind of, you know, the whole ignorance is bliss idea. But Christmas comes around and all of a sudden you find these tensions and they're usually tensions and conflicts with people that you can't ignore them anymore. Christmas forces it to the surface. Maybe you're someone who generally speaking, when you drive, right? When you drive, you're a happy, nice person. The moment Christmas traffic hits, you turn into, you know, I don't know, you turn into something else and it's not your normal person, right? And it happens the same with family and, and, and people that maybe you, you can kind of safely keep at an arm's distance. And those, you know, it's her that you don't get along with or it's him that you really don't like or it's that family that you're like, please don't be around for Christmas this year. But sure enough, there they are. And if you've had a wedding before and you're like you've had to write the guest seating, you know, for the reception, you know how many fights that creates in engaged couples? It's ridiculous. It's like, I've seen marriages always break up over that. Do I have, anyone agree? Okay, no, 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 no. Don't put up your hands, husbands. Just don't, don't do it. Um, but Christmas does that, right? It's all of a sudden you can ignore these people or, you know, you put on a polite face, but Christmas time comes along. And it's like these, these conflicts just, you know, rise to the surface. Now, I grew up uh, in a family with five, there's five of us siblings, four boys. And to give you an idea, I was the calm and the nice one. That, and that's saying something, okay? I'm telling you right now. So, so Christmas time, you know, the kind of normal tensions that existed between siblings and the rivalries and all the conflicts that would happen, they were like exacerbated. And so I particularly remember this one Christmas. Um, I had one of my older brothers is an environmental engineer and he works in the mines. And so it was his first year working in a coal mine and he was back for Christmas. And my younger brother at the time, and if you're watching online, and by the way, hello to everyone who's watching online. So good that you're joining us. Um, if you know my younger brother or you know on the best of days, he's a little bit extra. And I love him and you know I love you, bro, and you can get me back for that later. But so he was 14 at this stage and he just wasn't getting the Christmas presents that he wanted. So he was a little bit on edge. He was uh, you know, a little bit hot under the collar. And so my, my older brother had come back from the coal mines. He was trying to gym up by saying, mate, don't worry, my present is going to be the best. And he's like, you better be. He just was not excited. He just wasn't getting what he wanted for Christmas. And sure enough, my brother from the coal mines gave him his present. Here, brother, here you go, little brother. This will make you Christmas. So my brother excitedly unwraps it, opens the box. I am not kidding when I tell you that inside the box for his Christmas present was a lump of coal. <laughs> and if he was not livid before that, man, that just set it off. It was one. Of, I'm sitting there back laughing, going, "This is I'm popcorn, right? I just came here for the comments, right? This was, came here for the conflict, right? This is the best thing." But here's the thing. This is important to understand, and where I want to touch in tonight is God will use. God will use the conflicts that you and I have with others to surface the conflicts in us. Let me say that again. It's important you don't miss this. God will use the conflicts that we have with others to surface the conflicts in us. And so here's what I want to do. As we approach it's Christmas is knocking on our door and all the conflicts that maybe have already started in your household and the conflicts that are inevitable, it is so easy for us. It is so easy for us. To, to look around at all the areas of conflict in our life that maybe you don't have control over and lose your mind and lose your peace over it. 
What I want to do tonight is look at the parts that maybe God and His grace and His love for us are trying to surface within us because that is where His peace works best. Because you know what's interesting is Jesus Himself, Jesus Himself experienced conflict. He experienced conflict with many people. In fact, Jesus Himself even experienced conflict with His own family members, with His own siblings. And so parents, if you feel like you're doing, a, you're doing a bad job and your kid's always fighting, losing their mind, just take, take comfort in knowing that the Son of God had issues with his siblings as well, okay? You're doing a better job than you think you are. And if your parents are here tonight, we just need to give our parents a massive round of applause because they are just awesome. That's the weakest round of applause I've ever heard, okay? So good job. So, so God bless you, parents. Um, so Jesus himself, the Gospels explain how um, prior to his death and subsequent resurrection, his siblings mocked him. Here he is walking around, um, teaching radical new way of living, um, performing incredible, uh, you know, science-defying miracles. And so, of course, you know, if your brother's claiming to be someone supernatural, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to for you to believe that he's legit, right? So you you can't you can't blame Jesus' siblings for kind of mocking him. But one of them, one of Jesus' siblings, we know for a fact, ended up becoming a follower of Jesus because he wrote, he was one of the earliest leaders of the New Testament church. And he wrote, in fact, one of the letters that form our New Testament. And his name is James. And it's amazing to me um, that we even have one of his letters written. Um, But the very fact that we do is one of the most amazing proofs we actually have for the resurrection of Jesus. Because if you think about it, what would your big brother or big sister have to do to prove to you that they were the son of God? Of course, resurrect from the dead, right? And that's exactly what Jesus did. So I'm just being honest. So that's what we get with the, 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 the letter of James. And what's amazing is if you've ever read James's letter, it's kind of got this abrupt, almost, almost harsh edge to it. And I've always laughed because I thought that would, if, if you were the brother of Jesus and you mocked him growing up, you're like, Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus always never did anything wrong, you know, whatever. And then, oh, great, he is actually the son of God. All right, I believe, you know, okay, I'll lead the church, da-da-da-da. That tone comes out in his letter. He's like, yes, it's very harsh, very abrasive, but that's James. He's the begrudging follower of Jesus. Anyway, I've set that up really well, haven't I? Okay, you really want to. So, but James, James is probably the best person qualified to speak into this area of conflict and tension because he himself had a personal conflict conflict and tension with God in a body. And we pick up what he has to say about this very tension and this very conflict in our lives. And we read this from the third chapter in his letter. It says this, James writes, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. So he's, he's painting a picture out of conflict, right? Disorder, every evil practice. He's saying, wherever you find envy, and selfish ambition, there is always gonna be conflict. He said, but the wisdom that comes from heaven or the way we learn to live shown in the life of Jesus Christ is first of all pure, then it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and it's sincere. So he's saying, hey, hey, you can actually determine the way Jesus shows us to live can be a radical different way of approaching life. You don't have to let envy and, and, and selfish ambition have the final say in how you live your life. You can learn a different way. And here's how he concludes this little pocket of, of writing here. In the next sentence, he says, peacemakers, so he's highlighting a kind of person, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And he introduces this, I guess, this title of the kind of person, a way of living that he called being a peacemaker, a peacemaker. And what I want to touch on tonight, I want to look at what James writes in the very next 
in the very next verses here, where he addresses what it means to be a peacemaker. Because here's the thing, you and I, as much as we recognize that there is a whole lot of conflict around the world and, you know, there's kind of that funny running joke at all the beauty pageants, you know, what would you like to see? And they say, you know, the greatest thing would be peace on earth. The thing is you and I cannot cause peace on earth, right? That is God's responsibility. God carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. You were never made to. Okay, so God has brought peace to the world. But here's the thing. The peace that Christ gives, so Christ gives peace so that you and I can then make peace. You might not be responsible for all the ills of the world, but you can certainly play a part in making peace with the people that you are in close proximity to, the people you're in relationship with. So what I want to do tonight, I want to kind of uh, slingshot from what James introduces here, this notion of being a peacemaker. And I want to talk about what it will look like for you and I this Christmas time with all the inevitable conflicts with siblings and parents and children and cousins and relatives and in-laws and everything in between and neighbors and the neighbors that are loud and noisy, whatever it might be. Tonight, I want to talk about what James is touching here, what it will mean for you and I to actually be a peacemaker, to take the peace that we've received from a gift from Jesus and use it to make peace in our world. So are you ready to learn to be a peacemaker? Um, okay, great. Good job. So here we go. In the very next verse, this is where James, this is where James goes this. So he introduces this idea of being a peacemaker and then he asks a question. So he says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes them? You and I know what causes the fights and quarrels among us, don't we? He does, and she does. And if someone asks you what causes all the fights and the quarrels in your life, you'll be quick to point out, I will tell you what causes the fights and quarrels in my life. It is when they do this, or it's when my boss puts me on that roster, or when my neighbors is up too late playing this music, or when my little brother does this, right? And we are so quick when we look at what causes, the question James asks you, what causes quarrels and fights? You and I are so quick to point the blame. Come on, we do this, don't we? We point blame. We look at everyone else who's responsible for it. But here's something that you know and that I know, and I don't need to teach you this, but sometimes we need to be reminded of this, is that no one has ever blamed their way to peace. No one has ever blamed their way to peace. And if we are looking at what it means to be a peacemaker, okay, here's what peacemakers understand. Here's what peacemakers know to be true. Peacemakers refuse to play the blame game. And so right now, if you think about the conflicts maybe that are surfacing in your life and the conflicts that you're having with other people, and it's important we talk about this, right? We don't just want to go another Christmas with unsettled conflict. Maybe there's a way that this Christmas, the gift you can bring to the people in your life is to be a peacemaker. Here's the thing. The first thing is making the decision. I refuse to play the blame game because placing blame has never led anyone to peace. So peacemakers refuse to blame. And so James goes on. He asks the questions, what causes quarrels and fight among you? And he gives that answer, or his suggestion at least. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle where? Within. He says, here's where it comes from. Here's the cause of our fights and our quarrels. It's your desires that battle within you. Let me ask you this question. If you think of all your quarrels and all your fights, what is the one common denominator in every argument that you have ever had? You and me, right? And James calls this out. He says, this is where the quarrels and fights come from. He says, you have desires inside of your life 
in you and they're battling. As if to say this, that the source of conflict isn't always external. Usually the source of all of our conflict, it's internal. It's something that's going on inside of us. Now, I don't want to, just to make a to point to the side, this is not to say that the people in our life aren't responsible and there are definitely times where you need to call people on things and you need to put boundaries in place. And if you're in positions to put in place, you know, discipline, then you've got to do it. Like there's 100% room for that. But I'm not talking about others tonight. I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. And I'm talking about our responsibilities that we have to be a peacemaker. And so always the source of conflict, it, we, we're so quick to look at the external things, but I wonder, and this is what James is suggesting, for once you and I have to learn to look internally. And here's why, and here's the challenge for that, is because, and James talks about this whole idea of the, um, the battles within and the desires that are warring within us, and here, here it is, here's the desires that are warring inside of us. You ready for this? This isn't complicated, this is profound, and this is going to be really helpful. The desires that are battling within that are often the cause of all of our conflicts is this, you and I, we want something. We want something. It's not complicated, but if you think about it, every fight and argument and conflict you've gotten involved in is because there's been something that you have wanted. You and I, we want something. Now and again, as a side note, sometimes that thing that you and I want is a good thing to want. In fact, the thing that you might want might be the best for the other person. And you see someone maybe making a foolish decision, going, why are you doing that? Or maybe you're wanting to solve conflict. I I totally get that. I'm not dismissing that. But James is making a point here. He goes, where it comes from is you have a desire inside of you. It's a want. It's something you want. And when you don't get what you want, right, we have quarrels and we have fights. And here is what he's trying to say, that the true source of every fight that you're involved in or every quarrel that you have, it's not something external, it's something internal. And what is that thing that's internal? It's you and I. We what? (laughs) We want something. Okay, usually when people don't respond like that, it's because I'm hitting home too hard, okay? Chill out a bit, John. I take this out on James, right? I told you, James is this begrudging follower of Jesus. He's got serious attitude. Okay, and just when you thought he wasn't harsh enough, James goes deeper. Are you ready? Okay, this is what he says in the very next verse. He says, it's the desires that battle within you. He said this, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Now, some of you are stoked right now. You're like, yes loophole, I'm out of this because I have never killed anyone. And by the grace of God, I never intend to kill anyone. So James is clearly not talking about me, right? He said, you desire, but you have, so you kill. But here's, here's what I want to ask you. What is it? And this is an honest question. If you think about the quarrels, maybe the quarrels that you're having right now and conflicts that are happening right now, what is it that you want that you cannot get? I want you to honestly think about it for a moment. What is it that you want that you're not getting or that you cannot get. Because James gives a warning to us in in light of this, that there are some things in life that we want so much that there is nothing that we are unwilling to do, do to get it. James says, you want something, but you don't have it, and so you kill. And because we often haven't got what we want, we have resorted to any means necessary to get it. And at times, We have used our words to kill the people that God has brought into our life. And some of you, and sometimes me, I use my words because I'm not getting what I want, and I will kill by a thousand paper cuts 
and we'll bring people down and we will argue and argue and argue until a relationship has died or been, or been terminated. We will wear down our relationships with our fights. Some of you have even killed relationships due to silence and the whole passive aggression thing, like until I get what I want, they're not getting. And because, or because this is what Jane says, you don't get what you want and so you kill. You kill. You go about killing relationships, killing potential. If you think about it, some of maybe even your deepest wounds or the deepest hurts you've had in your life have happened because, because they've happened from someone close to you because they have wanted something from you and you weren't prepared to give it. And so they killed you with their words. They killed you with their criticism. Sometimes we can kill people with our attitudes. And some of you might be doing that. Some of you might be wearing out some of the most loving and flourishing relationships in your world because you carry the same attitude with you all the time because you're simply not getting what you want. And James says, so we kill. And here's what's crazy, right? Have you ever thought about this? Why is it? Why is it that the people who are closest to us are the ones that we tend to hurt the most? Have you ever wondered that? Surely it's like they're the ones that should have most grace and I've got most grace for them, so we hurt each other the least. Like, why is it that it's the people that I'm closest to that I seem to have most hurtful impact on? I discovered the secret why that happens. Are you ready for this? Right, this is an honest, I've discovered the secret. The reason why you and I tend to hurt the people who are closest to us the most is because they're the ones who are closest to us. And what I know, it's amazing, right? And everything that's inside of us spills out. And whoever is in the danger zone around you, they're the ones who are affected the most. And who's in the danger zone around you? The people who are, you guessed it, closest to you. And so James gives a warning. He says, you desire, right? And you don't have. And so if you're not careful, if you're not temperate, and if you don't recognize that you want something and there's nothing you're willing to do to get it, he says, you can end up killing the relationships you're supposed to be causing to flourish. But you and I get the chance to be peacemakers. And just if James hadn't rammed home this point enough, he has one more nugget for us before he starts to bring some good news. And here's what he says. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get, you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. What's his point? Simple. We will never have everything we want. I know that sounds like awesome news, John. Merry Christmas to you. Great. I'm like, got this big Christmas list. I'm believing from Santa and my girlfriend and my parent. But this is the truth of the matter. In life, again, you, don't, you didn't need me to tell you this, but sometimes we need to be reminded. We will never have everything that we want. Now, why is that? This isn't all doom and gloom, right? This is important for us to understand because it helps you and I become peacemakers, okay? You and I... <laughs> You and I have the combination of a whole lot of desires, right? So in your life, you have a whole lot of wants and a whole lot of desires, and that makes you you. That makes you unique. The things that you want that no one else wants. Have you ever wondered if you're in a relationship here? You often want something that is different to who the person you married wants, right? Because you, what makes you is a combination of all these beautiful and unique desires and wants. And your desires stem from your appetites, okay? We have appetites. But here's the thing. The very nature of an appetite is this. An appetite is never fully satisfied, right? And you know this, okay? Think of Christmas time. Think of Christmas day, 
right? When you eat and eat and eat until you can't eat no more. I mean, you have eaten everything you can claw and you're laid out on the couch and you're passed out. You're in a food coma and you just could not fit anything more in. And a couple of hours goes by, maybe you fall asleep in the pool, you get sunburned, whatever it is. And then the next round of food comes out, like someone brings out the prawns or the pavlova or the extra lasagna or whatever it might be, right? And you are so, you're like, I will never eat again. And then more food comes out. You're like, well, if I unbutton the top button of my jeans, you know, maybe it could fit in a little bit more, right? Because that's our appetites. Our appetites, no matter how much you feed them, they will never be fully satisfied. Not only is it true with food, but it's true with other areas of our life. Man, it is true with um it is true with intimacy. It is true with getting acceptance. It is true with power. It is true with fun. It's true with money. The very nature of our appetites is that they are never satisfied. So when James rams home the point, and this is so important to understand, okay? When James rams home the point saying, we will never have everything we want, it's because of this. We will never have, we will never get what we really want in this life. Okay, and some of us, we, we try to squeeze out of the people in our life so much that maybe they were never designed to give you what you were truly chasing. And we will wring out relationships and we will wear out relationships and we will wear out people to try and get what we want. But maybe you were never supposed to get it from them in the first place. And maybe what you've been looking for in the relationships in this life, ultimately you're trying to get your desires and the desires of your heart filled by people that God had never designed them to fill it in the first place. And so what does James Say, this is where finally James brings a little bit of relief to us, right? And James finally gets a bit encouraging. And this is what he says in the very next sentence. He says, you, you know, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. So here's, here's what peacemakers do, okay? And this, this is really, really important to understand. Before your next argument, before the next time you go raging down the hall to give her a piece of your mind, before you go and tell him what he needs to know, here's what I want you to do. This is what peacemakers do. This is so important to understand, okay? Peacemakers, peacemakers stop and recognize this important thing. I'm not getting what I want. I know that seems weird, but just pausing for a moment to go, Hang on, the reason there's a conflict here is because I'm not getting what I want. What that will do, it'll take the edge off your argument and that edge might be the very serrated part that needs to disappear that would have otherwise maybe have caused the irreversible or the painful damage in the person that you love and someone who loves you. So before your next argument, here's what I want you to do. Just acknowledge that part of this problem, part of this problem is I am not getting what I want. So here's what I want you to do. Next time you're ready to have the conversation with someone, I want you to sit down with them and go, you know what the problem is here? You know why we've got a conflict? And I'll say, why? What is it? I'm not getting what I want. I'm telling you, it'll change the whole dynamic of the conversation. One way or another, that'll do something different that you weren't expecting, right? But it's the truth. And James says this, the reason you don't get what you want, the reason you don't get what you want is because you didn't ask God. And so peacemakers understand this. Peacemakers, before they ask the other person, before they bring the conflict to them, peacemakers take the conflict to God first. And I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you this Christmas time. And yes, at all times, when conflicts arise in our lives, here's the thing. Being a follower of Jesus and being a human doesn't mean the absence of conflicts, but your heavenly father has given you 
peace on earth for your conflicts. And every time you go to your heavenly father, every time you go to God first, it's like you begin to tap into the peace that he has for you. And I am telling you, I'm telling you, if you can learn, whether it's with your parents, your children, your spouse, your boss, your employees, colleagues, whoever it is, if you can learn to take your conflict to your heavenly father first. And when I say bring that to him, I don't mean like superficial. I mean, really take what you really want to him. I mean, get real and honest and deep. Here's the thing, like, like share honestly with him what you really, really want. Because here's the thing, God is really good at keeping secrets. And God's not going to embarrass you. And God's not going to judge you. But if you're not honest, if you don't really bring to the surface what you really want, then you're never able to deal with what's really going on. Because remember this, God uses the conflicts that we have with other people to surface the conflicts in us. So here's the thing. Maybe this Christmas, maybe this season of your life, determining to be a peacemaker, I'm going to be a peacemaker, and bringing things to God first. He might highlight something in you that He's ultimately wanting to set you free from. And where you've been too quick to see the source of the loss of peace in your life as an external thing, maybe it's been something internal. And maybe your Heavenly Father is wanting to raise something in you. And here's the thing, when you're honest with God, and I'm telling you, you need to do this, whether it's something you verbalize or write, or write it down, this is really fascinating to do this. And I encourage you, some of you, do it tonight. Make it a practice in your life. And be honest. Like, I mean, say things like this. God, what I really, really, really want if I'm honest, is for people to envy me. And when she says that in front of them, or when he does that over there, it makes me feel like no one will envy me. Like, see how ridiculous that sounds. But when you put it out there, and when you bring it to the surface, you're like, oh my gosh, what is that inside of me? God, I'm so thankful you brought it to the surface. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that girl. I want to be a peacemaker. I mean, be honest. It's like, God, you know what I really, really want? I want to be I just want to be rich or I just, I just want to be, I just want to be famous. I just want to be famous. Whatever it is, when you get honest, it brings to the surface the conflicts that aren't out there. They're not with them. The conflicts are really going on in here. And your heavenly father loves you so much. And your heavenly father cares so much about your potential. He will leverage and he will use the conflicts that you find yourself repeatedly having with other people until you go, hey, hey, knock, 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 knock. There's a conflict inside of you. And I want you to experience my peace and I want you to experience my grace and it is going to set you free from the conflict that is happening within. Now here's, here's what's kind of humorous about it, right? Just when you're like, oh, that is so good. Thank you so much, James, for like bringing the God card and oh, that encourages me and that gives me a whole lot of help. Just so there's no loophole because James is just like that. He then has one more little nail in the coffin, as it were, right? And here's how he brings his little teaching to a close. He says, he says this. So when you ask, you bring it to God, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Thanks, James. That's really encouraging stuff. Awesome, okay. What, what point is he trying to make? It's this. Sometimes, sometimes, God is going to say no. God is going to say no. And sometimes people say no. But I remember hearing this many, many years ago, and it, it had such a profound impact on 
how I tried to outlive my faith in Jesus. And it was this thought that true spiritual maturity is best seen and best demonstrated and best witnessed in how you handle and know from God. Because sometimes what you want isn't what God thinks is best for you. And He's not going to give you second best. He's not going to give you the leftovers. He's going to give you what you truly need. Peacemakers learn to make peace with a no. They make peace with a no. And the peace, this is so amazing, right? When Jesus last night on earth, gathered with his disciples just before his death, and then obviously a few days later, his resurrection, he gathered them together. And in the Gospel of John, this is so beautiful. John records this amazing moment where Jesus lent in his disciples and said, hey guys, here's what I want you to know. My peace, I leave with you. And my peace, I give to you. And not as the world gives, do I give it. And the peace that Jesus offers you and I is so different and it's so massive. It's not only seen in the absence of conflict. His His peace is seen even when there is conflict. In fact, that is the very reason He's given it to us. And you know, a few days ago, I experienced this myself. And you know, I sat down with my in-laws at last Christmas. We sat around the table and like, hey, what would be cool to do next year? And we're like, let's go to the snow. And by that stage, I'm like, yes, by that year, my, my daughter, she'll be almost three. She'll have, be able to maybe start creating memories, have a lot of fun with it. It'd be so cool to give her a white Christmas. And so we've made our plans. I've been looking forward to it all year. And, you know, if you've ever been planning and looking forward to something and having some kind of hope and aspiration, then in a moment, it's just, you know, now it's, it's kind of just held. Like, I don't know if this is possible now. Um, in those moments, in those moments, where you have to stop and bring it to God first. Okay, God, and don't get me wrong, I am praying and I am asking and I am believing God for my ankle to fully heal. And I'm believing in two weeks' time, I'm going to post this. You bet, I'm going, to, I'm going to be upping my Insta story game. That's why we all have Instagram, right? For when you go traveling, right? you just up it, right? Just up it. And, uh, but I'm going to post, I'm going to thank you. I'm believing for that. Or I'm praying for that. But here's the thing. If I don't, if I don't, get what I'm asking for. And if I don't get what I want, and I stopped and I brought that to God. I said, God, this is what I want and this is what I'm praying for. I'm going to keep praying for it. And I encourage you to be doing the same for in your life. But here's the incredible thing about the peace that Jesus brings. It is a peace that you can know even when you get a no. It's unbelievable. And this is the promise is that while you and I can't always get what we want by the grace of God, we will always get what we need. Sometimes the thing that you and I need the most is the peace of God for our conflict. And God has given you His peace as a gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive for it. But the peace that He gives freely, His encouragement to you and I as peacemakers is to now share that peace and make that peace with the world around us. And so I want to pray for you tonight. I want to pray for those of you that maybe are in conflict right now and there's conflict maybe at home. I'm going to believe that you would see the peace of God in it. But more than that, I want to believe that God would use this time to surface the conflicts in you and I so that we can be healed of it, so that we can be set free from it, so you can be delivered from it. And for some of you, maybe you just need to know in your world right now, the peace of God that transcends all understanding and that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus.
Heavenly Father, we are so, so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful that we can know peace. And Lord, I don't need to remind you of all the, the real needs here tonight and all the prayers and all the wishes and all the desires that are in this room. Lord, all the pain, all the tears, all the conflict. I lift them all to you and I join in with every whisper and every prayer here tonight, believing for your peace in each one of them. And God, when things don't work out how we want them, I'm praying that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit how to be a peacemaker, how to know peace even when there is a no. I pray for those here tonight, Lord, that are walking through conflict right now, that you would give them the grace and you would give them the wisdom to be a peacemaker. And that this Christmas, they wouldn't be the source of conflict, but they would be the source of peace in their homes and in their relationships. And ultimately, Lord, I pray for every person here tonight that they would know your peace in the middle of their conflict and in the middle of their lives, that they would know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And I pray that in His name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.